I want to give a big shout out to Anchor for sponsoring today's podcast. Uh, it's a great way to start your podcast. Uh, you know, start getting your stuff out there. You know, through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and much more. Uh, it'll pretty much distribute everything for you, and you can also start making some pretty quick money through your streams as well uh, by setting it up through the Anchor app. So, thank you very much for sponsoring this episode, and uh, let's get into the debut episode of the Visionary Podcast. Uncensored, uncut, full fucking throttle. This is the Visionary Podcast, and we thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We know there's been a lot of stuff going on, you know, through this whole sort of rebuild we've been doing here. And uh, Visionary, I feel like we're going to stick with Visionary, man. Visionary is a beautiful name. We have a beautiful uh, logo coming up with the... uh, uh, We have a fantastic fan base. We have a great account. Oh yeah, pretty much everything to set us into a right direction. So I feel like visionary is where we stand. Uh, there's been a lot of rebranding, man. A lot of talks about pretty much me quitting. You know, me wanting to actually quit doing all this stuff. I mean, I know this is like the first episode in the visionary era. Uh, most of the stuff from the previous era is pretty much going to be erased from history. I feel like that's the best way to go about it. Start off clean. Start off fresh. Uh, pretty much make a brand new name inside of a brand new community, especially since, you know, the former community that I was in didn't necessarily have that much of a, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say much of a nicer fan base. I mean, you're going to get fucking hate everywhere, dude. You're going to get hate wherever you go. Uh, but this, this right here, mixed martial arts, you know, fighting combat sports. I feel like that is my realm. That's where I am posed to succeed. And I know back, you know, fucking couple of months ago, me trying to do this really professional podcast, it just didn't work, man. It didn't work. I showed absolutely no character whatsoever. Shit flopped terribly. So I'm just here to, you know, pretty much be myself at this point. Uh, t- taking no bullshit from anybody. You know, I'm just, just going to be myself. Even if it is, you know, having about 10, 15 people listen to me, man, at least at least I know that I have that little core, you know, by my side, even though some shit might not necessarily be uh, everyone's cup of tea. But, uh, yeah, man, a lot of stuff has happened over the last few months with me, man, and I'm talking about, you know, so many, so many, like, personal issues. Not, not necessarily, you know, personal issues, but definitely things that you know affected me and affected my love for pretty much being I don't I don't know I don't know what you want to call me if you want to call me like an influencer or whatever the fuck uh but whatever type of like you know thing you want to call like like social media person or whatever you know running a social media account sports based account podcast I mean whatever the hell uh whatever that is to you man I'm that really to really don't have a have a logical term for that I, I'm pretty sure there's one in the dictionary but I'm not fucking Albert Einstein so n- no way I'm gonna be able to know over a fucking million words in the English dictionary but I'm sure somebody out there will understand what the hell I'm talking about hopefully because man this is a long ass intro haven't even got started with the actual podcast yet and we're about three minutes and 30 seconds into this shit 
it's insane, dude. I, I really think that we should all, you know, be ourselves a little bit more. You know, just just be ourselves. Sit back, relax, chill. I mean, what is, what is this podcast going to be? I have no fucking idea. I have no fucking idea. I'm sitting here right now talking to you guys, acting like I have a complete script in front of me, when in reality, I just have my phone right in front of me, dude. I'm literally absolutely nothing, dude. I have a beautiful fucking Tupac poster right next to my bed. Another fucking beautiful Tupac poster right in front of my TV. I have a fucking awesome Harley Quinn poster right there. I have my LED lights tripping on the fucking walls, dude. I mean, I'm just sitting here chilling, talking to you guys, and I feel like that is my element. That is my element. That's where I'm supposed to be. Like I said, this is not going to be some rated G type, type stuff, man. I mean, we're going into a completely different genre. We're going into a completely different base of, you know, exiting that whole professional wrestling realm and entering... You know, a world of a more violent, a more a more fierce, a more vile sort of sort of community, which is the MMA community. And you know, at this point, dude, you can't be PG about it. You can't be rated G about it. Man, you gotta go fucking MMA, MMA, whatever the fuck you wanna call it. You know, you gotta go that that little rated R route sometimes. And uh, you know, just be yourself, dude. Just be yourself, man. A lot of stuff to talk about on this podcast, man. We have a great weekend of fights coming up uh, for both the UFC and Bellator. Uh, this past Saturday was a great card uh, for UFC Fight Night. Uh, Corey Sandhagen and TJ Dillashaw. Fucking beautiful fight, dude. Probably one of the like, best fights I've seen in the Bantamweight division in such a long time. Probably since TJ Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz. Uh, just a fantastic fight, man. Definitely one of the closest fights in the UFC. I mean, we've we've had so many close fights in the UFC. You know, one that you know pretty much takes me back is Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard two, uh, back on January first of 2011. That was that fight literally ended in a draw with how close it was. I mean, there was no de- de- determined winner in that fight. And I feel like if this fight ended in a draw, that would have genuinely been like like a respectable sort of outcome. Corey Sandhagen and TJ Dillashaw poured their goddamn hearts out into this thing. I mean, I am talking about everything they had. Corey Sandhagen coming out with the bombs. TJ Dillashaw pretty much coming fighting adversity. I mean, we can talk about, you know, Corey Sandhagen and how he's, you know, one of the greatest, you know, bantamweights right now in the world. I mean, he's the number two bantamweight. There's nothing you can take away from this guy. There's nothing you can say that will not make him great. He should be fighting for UFC gold right now. I do believe that he will be a UFC champion someday. But, man, TJ Dillashaw, his story, it's just sort of... It just sort of outdo, outdoes, you know, everything that Corey Sandhagen has been right now. I mean, we're talking about the, the media has been portraying T.J. Dillashaw as some sort of guy who's, you know, this, this monster, this, this evil dude who's trying to take advantage of, of, of MMA, you know, with the EPO and P and PED stuff. Uh, 
I mean, you can say whatever you want to say about it, but at the end of the day, this man went five rounds with the best in the Bantamweight division, one of the best not named Aljamain Sterling or Peter Yan. I mean, we're talking about Sandman here, man. Enter Sandman, you know. The dude who ransacked that division. Of course, you know, he's had some faults with Aljamain Sterling getting submitted. I mean, that's that's no that's a no-brainer. Obviously, you're going to have things that are going to fall from grace at some points in your career. Not going to necessarily have everything go your way. Same with TJ Dillashaw, man. He got knocked out in like 30 seconds against Henry Cejudo. Now, obviously, that was for completely different reasons, but, you know, everybody's going to face adversity at some point in their career, especially if you're a fighter, especially if you're on the big stage. I mean, it's it's just bound to happen someday. But we're talking about somebody like TJ Dillashaw, though, coming into this fight, pretty much being pointed at as this, this steroid user, as this guy who has no legitimate wins in the UFC. I mean, we're talking about a former two-time Bantamweight champion. We're talking about a man who never lost his Bantamweight title. He had to relinquish his title. Let's let's keep that in mind. He never lost his second title. And he's out for a vengeance, man. I, I know for a fact he's out for a vengeance. And this isn't like bias coming out, you know, since, you know, obviously, if you know me, you know that I'm a fucking huge fan of TJ Dillashaw. Definitely my Bantamweight GOAT. Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber, they're 100% up there, man. 100% up there, but TJ Dillashaw has, I feel like on Saturday night, proved everybody who's, you know, doubted him wrong. Uh, You could have genuinely scored that fight either way, dude. I mean, Corey Sanhagen landed fucking bombs in that fight absolute bombs went to war with one of the best man and kept his pace I mean he didn't let TJ Dillashaw pressure him you know pound for pound he didn't let him pressure on the feet where Corey Sandhagen failed was allowing TJ Dillashaw to get into the clinch a lot more than he should have getting the takedowns even though they were minimal and even though Corey Sanhagen did stop a lot of the takedowns that TJ Dillashaw was pretty much chasing after, TJ did land some of them. Uh, I had the, the fight going 2-2 into the fifth round, man. Going into that fifth round, I genuinely thought that Corey Sanhagen would have pulled off a victory. You know, I'm not going to front or anything. I'm, I'm going to be a genuine, honest person here, you know? It's just very hard to rate you know what what could have happened especially you know with TJ Dillashaw already coming out saying that he blew out his 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 knee midway through the fight like right after the second round or first round or something like that and then he has this massive cut just going right through his his side of his forehead you know right right through there and it's like not a straight cut you know it's going right down so that's like several different nerves and then you also have the incredible blood loss the blood going into the eyes TJ Dillashaw pretty much is this, this vulnerable man 
if Corey Sanhagen capitalized, or if Corey Sanhagen at least knew that TJ Dillashaw's leg was pretty much compromised at this point, if he pressured the leg a lot more, because Corey Sanhagen, he was non-existent with the leg kicks. Non-existent with the leg kicks. And I feel like that's something that Corey Sanhagen, if we go back into the fight, and if, you know, what we know right now was put out into that fight, if Corey Sanhagen landed a lot more leg kicks, because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's, he's landed barely any, you know, little to none, especially in the, in, in the last couple of rounds. Uh, if Corey Sanhagen pressured the leg attacked that specific side of the face where the cut was he could have potentially even came out with the with a TKO win you know instead of a decision win I'm, I'm pretty confident if he attacked the leg more if he knew that TJ Dillashaw's leg was that fucked up he could have took that win he could have brought it to the ground he could have taken out the leg and there you go TJ Dillashaw unable to compete I mean you have two things on TJ Dillashaw that could easily get you a win. One could have been that cut with a doctor stoppage. We know we already saw back, I believe, in like the second round of the fight. You know, a doctor. We had to stop the fight, have a doctor check it, and uh, he was he was cleared to compete for the rest of the fight. But if they had to stop that fight one more time, I do believe that that fight would have been over 100%. Uh, and then also another thing, T.J. Dillashaw's leg. I mean, he's, he even admitted that his leg popped out. I mean, his, his his knee popped out. Excuse me. So, all of that. I mean, he was fighting on one on one leg, basically. But man, to come out with one of the closest closest decision victories we probably will ever see in the UFC. Uh, even on Verdict MMA, Verdict MMA, the uh, the official like MMA scoreboard app the verdict community they went completely 50-50 for the first time ever and i was extremely surprised on that because that's that's the first 50-50 in verdict history and that shows a lot you know TJ Dillashaw is obviously going to go after the bantamweight belt but where does this put Corey Sandhagen in the mix obviously this loss isn't going to push Corey Sandhagen down the rankings tremendously. Uh, but we do know that TJ Dillashaw is next in line. You know, he basically did defeat the number one contender not named Peter Yan. Which is a pretty fucking huge accomplishment if you think about it. <laughs> the dude was, was, out of, was out of action for two and a half years. His last fight, brutal beatdown at 125. I mean, the dude looked genuinely sick. And then you have the EPO and PED stuff. TJ Dillashaw definitely came over adversity, man. All respect to the guy. If, if you're not a fan of TJ after that fight, you're just ignorant. You know, you, you, you claim John Jones, the greatest fighter of all time, right? Some people have him labeled as the GOAT. Not just the light heavyweight GOAT, but the GOAT. The pinnacle of mixed martial arts. 
John Jones was tested positive multiple fights. His fight with Lionheart tested positive. Fight still continued. Lionheart wanted that fight. Smith wanted that fight, man. John Jones, if he was pushed to, you know, some sort of limit, you know, stopping. I mean, I, genuinely, the people who say John Jones, basically, basically what I'm saying, man, I'm just going to cut to the point. If you say John Jones is a GOAT and you hate TJ Dillashaw, you have a double standard and you're a fucking idiot. Plain and simple. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I was going to sugarcoat it eventually. Probably be a little bit more nicer. But you're just a fucking idiot if you think that. If you hate DJ, but you love John, literally the same shit. TJ's only done it for one of his fights. One, maybe two of his fights. John's done this shit for half his career. And I'm not shitting on John Jones. John Jones is a fantastic fighter. Yes, he is one of the best of all time. No doubt about that. It was just a perfect example of, you know, the people who say he is the greatest, but then have a problem with TJ Dillashaw. I don't know, man. You tell me for yourself, but if you see a double standard there, you're obviously going to be that type of person to, you know, I'm going to be the person to point it out for you, man. I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. <sighs> don't know what to tell you. Bellator is actually having a pretty fire card uh, coming up this Saturday. It's actually competing with UFC's Fight Night, Uriah Hall versus Shane Strickland. It's going to be a great, great night of fights, man. Uh, unfortunately, I have a job, and uh, that job put me pretty much on the clock for the entire fight night. So I won't be watching those fights live, even though I would love to watch Patricio Pitbull face AJ McKee in the finals of the Featherweight Grand Prix. Definitely has potential to be one of the best fights Bellator ever produced. I mean, we're talking about AJ McKee, probably UFC worthy at this point. One of their best fighters, Patricio Pitbull, probably their best fighter in general, not in just the featherweight, but in the entire Bellator roster. Pitbull, featherweight champion, AJ McKee, number one contender, going into the finals of the Grand Prix. One million dollars is on the line. One million fucking dollars is on the line, man. You're telling me that these guys are not just one going for a championship, two not just going for, you know, a finals win and a major Grand Prix inside of the promotion. But three, you're also getting that lot of fucking money. A lot of fucking money, man. Money that could potentially change, you know, one of these dudes' entire trajectory. AJ McKee especially. You know, I 100% faithfully believe in the next five years, I'll give you about three, five years, if AJ doesn't re-sign with Bellator... He'll be in the UFC. I feel like he would be a great addition to the featherweight division down there. I mean, we're talking about fights with Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway. 
dude, imagine those those fantasy fights, man. Just 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 the amount of fantasy fights in this is is, is incredible. Uh, but I don't want to go a little too off the hinges because obviously Patricio Pitbull is hands down probably one of the best pound for pound fighters in Bellator. And him as featherweight champion, I feel like he's been featherweight champion for fucking ages, dude. I have no idea how long he's been champion, but it feels like for a very long time. Actually, I want to actually uh, pull up the s stats or whatever, man, but I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Genuinely have no idea. There is a lot of talk in Bellator, you know, on if the promotion is even worthy of like a second rate sort of thing. People really shit on Bellator for literally no reason, man. Bellator has been producing some of the best fights in MMA over the last year. And let's not even get started on what's coming up on October 1st. October 1st, Bellator 267, Douglas Lima versus MVP 2. Jeez, dude, this is gonna be a fucking classic. I'm not even joking. Straight classic. Their first fight was insane. Their second fight is one not only going to have title implications in it, but it's going to be one hell of a fucking fight. And in the same month in October, I mean, October is a pretty huge month for Bellator. They're going to London, England for 267. And then they're going on October 30th, I believe, or October 31st. I feel like it's October 31st. Halloween night. Not necessarily sure, but I do know that Fedor Emilienko, they'll be in Russia. He'll be facing Jake Hager, the number 10 ranked uh, heavyweight. I'm not necessarily sure the point of this fight, other than to give Fedor a easy uh, fight. I mean, Jake Hager is literally nothing special. I feel like his little contract thing with... AEW All Elite Wrestling is what got him this fight. But man, I don't I really don't know. I mean I really don't care at this point. You can go ahead and say whatever you want about, you know, Jake Hager and Bellator. But I got off topic so badly right here, man. I'm talking about I'm I'm not even on the topic of Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee anymore. Uh, predictions for that fight, though. Predictions for that fight. If the fight gets taken to the ground, which I am 100% sure it will, I have Patricio Pitbull all day. Champ retains, right? AJ, I feel like, is the better stand-up fighter. Better stand-up game than Patricio. If the fight goes to the ground it's over AJ he does have a lot of experience on the ground I feel like he can kind of get his way up out of there but Patricio was just known for beating the hell out of his opponents on the ground I mean he's going for submissions he's going for knockouts he's going for TKOs I mean he's going for takedowns whenever he can right AJ McKee has a hard ass hand one of the hardest hands in the featherweight division in Bellator and that is going to be a huge factor, especially 
if we know from Patricio Pitbull. He's a little bit sneaky. He's pretty sneaky, and he can get caught up sometimes. I know there was a, one fight that I saw a couple of years ago. I'm not necessarily sure who was in that fight, but I do know that Patricio Pitbull was in that fight. He got caught up. He got, he got caught slipping, man. And uh, got his shit rocked. But predictions for that fight, I got to go. Got to go Patricio. Can't go against Pitbull, man. Just can't go against Pitbull. Even though I 100% believe... AJ McKee can become a Bellator champion. And I'm not saying it because, you know, I kind of have to. I'm saying it because I genuinely like AJ McKee. I just praise him in saying that he has, you know, UFC potential. And if that doesn't get you going, I mean... I really don't understand what would. I'm actually trying to pull up the uh, how long Patricio Pitbull has been champion, and I really can't find it. I really want to know how long he's been the Bellator lightweight, not lightweight, but featherweight champion. Okay, here we go. So he's had several reigns with the title. First title was back in what 2014 2014 2015 uh lost championship in 2015 okay so that's where pretty much my thing goes uh so he has been champion right now since february 20th 2019 dude has been champion for over two years I don't see him losing to AJ McKee. Unfortunate, right? I just I can't see it happening. Just can't see it happening. I mean, he had his his great run in the in the featherweight Grand Prix, you know, leading him up to the finals, obviously for the title, uh, the, defending his championship, defeating Emmanuel Sanchez, which was a great fight, uh, beautiful fight, man. I mean. Patricio was was great. Uh, choked out. <laughs> Sanchez guillotine choke. Uh, pretty awesome there, man. Uh, Patricio got some fucking crazy hands, dude. No lie, what so ever. But yeah, I got Patricio Pitbull. Can't bet against the guy. I mean, the guy is an absolute fucking savage. One of the best in the game right now. Probably should be in the UFC, but Dana White's on some vagina stuff, and I have no fucking idea why they have not signed this man unless he doesn't want to go there. And I don't doubt him. He has one of the, probably one of the best reputations outside of the UFC. If your name is not Ryan Bader, of course. <laughs> Ryan Bader is such a weird story, man. I, I want to get into Ryan Bader, but I feel like not at this exact moment. But... Yep, Patricio walks out with a million dollars and his title around his waist still. Another fight coming up this Saturday is Uriah Hall versus Shane Strickland. Now, where do I see that fight happening? I see that fight happening in what should be a great back and forth bout. If Uriah Hall wins this fight, 
Uriah Hall will, without a doubt, be in contention for a top five five ranking. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't necessarily want to know if I want to go that high, but if Uriah Hall wins this fight against Shane Strickland, he should be in talks. He should be in talks on moving up the rankings. I mean, he had that really unfortunate victory against Chris Weidman with Chris Weidman breaking his leg. At, uh, I think it was UFC 260, 263. I don't know. Don't. Uh, don't take me for my words there. Not 100% sure. If it was 263, it was 263. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, but having that vicious, vicious, vicious leg break, you know, so disappointing for both guys. I mean, Uriah Hall had an entire training camp for this fight. He wanted this win so badly, but you know he didn't want that win. Nobody wants a win. You know, via stoppage because of a guy having his entire leg pretty much disjointed out of his body. It's just really sad and, and unfortunate, man. But he's back. He's back this weekend. I cannot wait for this fight, man. Shane Strickland had a great back and forth fight. I believe it was about a couple months ago, actually. I feel like it was back in May. Once again, don't take this for granted, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was in May. He had a good fight. I think, believe he won it by decision. Uh, but either way, man, it was a great fight. Uh, really showing off his beautiful stand-up work. I mean, the guy's an awesome stand-up guy. Uriah Hall, he can do fucking things also inside of the clinch, especially. Knee kicks are fucking insane on Uriah Hall. Shane Strickland has an arm, 100%. I don't see this fight going to the ground, you know, as as much as you would think. I doubt this fight will go to the ground at all. Uh, do I think these guys will go the distance? 100%. I don't think we're going to see a finish in this fight. Not that I don't want to see a finish in this fight. I 100% want to see a finish in this fight. I'm, a, I'm an MMA fan. If you're an MMA fan and you're watching a fight, that is something you want to see no matter what. You want to see a finish in a fight. And you gotta see... It's like, it's like one of those things where you're just pumped up. Like, you see a knockout. You see a submission. And it's like you feel what that fighter's feeling. Like, you feel that, those little butterflies in your stomach especially if it's like one of your favorite fighters man it's such a great feeling uh obviously not a great feeling for the person on the other side of that knockout or that submission but definitely very very pleasing to the audience and i feel like if you're a fighter you're not you're not training to to go 25 minutes you know winning by a decision you're training to get in there fight, get the job done, and get the hell out, you know, I feel like that's the mentality you need if you want to be a champion, you don't fight for decisions, you fight for finishes, you fight for finishes, you don't fight for decisions, I'll say that one more time, because that is something I feel like every fighter should live by, you know, if you're a fighter, 
You don't want to be pleased like, yes, I got a victory, but it was by decision. I'm 100% fine with that, you know. It's, could be, you know, pretty much of a, you know, hit or miss with some people. Obviously, you go the distance. Obviously, you're going to enjoy that <laughs> that win. I mean, at the end of the day, a win is a win. If it's by doctor stoppage, submission, knockout, decision, split decision, unanimous decision, a win is a win no matter what. A win is a win. A loss is a loss. And that brings me to my next topic. I know we're about a couple of weeks away, not a couple of weeks away, but we're a couple of weeks. Dude, I don't know what the hell I just said. Anyways, I, I, I want to talk about Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor to end the show. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, fuck whatever I said before, man, about we're a couple of weeks away. We're a couple of weeks gone. That's, that's what I wanted to say. We're a couple of weeks gone from the fight. Uh, happened on July 11th. No, happened on July 10th. Dude, what a insane way to end a fight. What an insane way to end a trilogy. Conor McGregor breaking his leg. I mean, people are saying a win is a win, a loss is a loss. And if that goes for every case, a win is a win and a loss is a loss, you best believe that you better be putting that logic towards your fighters, man. You better be putting that logic towards every single fight, even if it doesn't go in your favor, man. Now, obviously, that is a true statement. Dustin Poirier won by Dr. Stoppage because Conor McGregor broke his tibia. And breaking your tibia, if you guys don't know, is brutal, man. I'm talking about, like, it's pretty much your, your shin and some more. Like, probably one of the most vulnerable parts of your leg. You know, probably the parts that is, like, the least tissued. I'm not. I'm not a doctor or any shit. It's just I've had a lot of fucking shin problems in my life, especially you know a couple of years ago when I shattered my shin. Uh, so I I know the pain down there. I know the pain that Conor McGregor was going through. But clearly, clearly Conor McGregor had no pain at all because he had time to uh, go on the mic and call out Dustin and his wife, which was fucking ridiculous. But hey, Conor McGregor's Conor McGregor. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's a notorious one. And he's not called the notorious for no reason. The dude is a really, really infamous figure. Especially in mixed martial arts. Uh, but, you know, without any doubt, man, Dustin Poirier was a great fighter. Is a great fighter. Will be a great fighter in the future. Dustin and Charles Oliveira for the title coming up soon. I believe it's in December or something like that. I'm not sure if Dana White officially confirmed a day, but he has confirmed a fight between the two. It should be happening at the end of the year. Uh, who I think win that, wins that fight? I believe Charles Oliveira wins that fight. I don't see Dustin Poirier taking the title from Charles, especially in Charles' first defense of the title. Uh, do we see a fourth fight with Connor and Dustin, 100%. I do think we see that fourth fight when Connor is ready. Probably give Connor and pretty much an easy guy like uh, Gillespie. I don't know Gilbert Gillespie, somebody like that. Give Connor him to feed on like a like first second card of the pay per view. I don't I don't know. Uh, first second fight of the pay per view. Let him get you know whatever, 
and go ahead and push him back with Dustin versus Dustin versus Connor. Do I think a fourth fight should happen? Not necessarily. I feel like we should keep trilogies to trilogies. Uh, but I do believe in this situation, there's really no official winner. I mean, you can argue that Dustin won the first round of that fight, but that doesn't determine an entire fight. Obviously, Dustin Poirier talks about how one of his uh, leg checks pretty much broke Connor's leg. And to a degree, I agree. And to a degree, I disagree. You know, because going back and looking at that footage, there's not a lot you can go off of. There's not a lot that you can say that will, or see, that'll get you that sort of, that sort of advantage uh, on believing that. But if you want to believe that, go ahead and believe that, man, because I genuinely have no fucking idea where this goes at all. Uh, but at the end of the day, Dana White... He's all in for the money, and Conor versus Dustin Four is the money fight still, no matter what. Uh, and I believe that we will be seeing that at the end of 2022. At the end of 2022, middle of 2022, I do believe we see that fight. We do see Conor McGregor inside of an octagon again. Obviously, a broken tibia is going to take about six to nine months to heal, but the dude's already in a gym. Like, I can't believe he's already in a gym, man. He broke his tibia, he broke his leg a couple of weeks ago, and he's already out here bench pressing and, dude, dude's a fucking legend, man. Dude's a legend. I really want to like Dustin Poirier. I really do want to like the guy, and obviously, liking Conor McGregor is pretty controversial, but I like Conor. Conor has a character. Conor is somebody that really gives zero fucks on what you think you know I I saw a deleted tweet that he that he tweeted this morning which was just disgusting in my opinion uh, but Khabib the night of the fight on July 10th Khabib tweeted out something that you know Good always beats the evil. And then... Conor McGregor. I don't know what the hell was going on with him last night. But he went out and he said... So, COVID is good. And, uh... Dad is evil. And he was... Referring to... <laughs> Khabib's father. Khabib's dead father. Who passed away from COVID last year. It was sickening man. It makes you question. What the hell. Is going on inside Conor McGregor's mind. Is he actually okay. Does he, does he, does he know what he's saying. You know obviously he deleted it. Obviously he got. Backlash from. Pretty much the entire MMA community. But it's just sick, man. It's, it's it's sickening. I feel like it's not even it's not even sickening. It's just unbelievably stupid on how somebody 
you know, especially at his age. He's like, what, 30, 33, 35? I mean, the guy is well over an adult. Well over a teenager. This dude has children, he has a wife, he has family. And he's going to say something like that about another man's dead father. I don't know if he's wanting, you know, Dana to book a second fight with him and Khabib, try to get Khabib out of retirement, which I highly doubt that he is. He's just trolling at this point, trying to keep his name in the news. But whatever it is, man, that was not the good way. That was not a good way to, you know, pretty much present yourself. Other news in MMA right before we uh, end this little session we have going on right now. Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping wants a return to the UFC Octagon sometime in December, which is really cool, man. Michael Bisping is genuinely one of the most underrated fighters in UFC history. His wars with GSP was phenomenal for, for the ages, man. Timeless, timeless fights. Great guy. I mean, the dude literally has one eye. He's, he's a fucking badass, dude. One of the greatest fighters. One of the most underappreciated fighters in, in MMA history. So, I would love to see a Michael Bisping return to the Octagon. I'm not necessarily sure who he would fight. I feel like there's really nobody out there for him to challenge because I'm sure he doesn't want to go for a championship at this point in his career. He probably just wants that adrenaline rush again. And that's completely fine for a fighter to have, especially somebody like Michael Bisping, who, one, isn't out of shape. Two, he hasn't left MMA. I mean, he's been commentating on fight nights for well over a year now. And, you know, he, he I feel like he deserves a fight I just don't know if you go with you know fighting a ranked guy or getting somebody off the street I mean what 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 other way would you book it obviously if the thing if, if it does happen it's gonna happen in December like he said or maybe early 2022 you never know with Dana White because in November November we have Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman too. That fight is for another day, but we'll talk about that on a later podcast because holy shit, I have an entire rant on an entire little sort of session going on with that, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be cool. Uh but that I'm saving it for another day, man. Saving it for another day. If you guys wanna hear my take on uh Kamaru Usman versus Kobe Covington, you're gonna have to tune into the podcast. You know, whenever I drop that podcast, I'll make sure to put it on the Instagram page. Let y'all know what the hell's going on, but it's definitely coming soon. Probably next episode, honestly, dude. Probably like a freebie episode. I'm not necessarily sure when the hell I'm going to get this little little scheduling out, but it's going to happen soon, man. Uh, so, Kobe Covington, Kamaru Usman 2 happening in November. Uh, we also have the fights in September. Uh, Volk versus Ortega, which is happening in September. Uh, next month in August, we have... Obviously, Gain versus Lewis for the interim belt, interim heavyweight belt. I have no idea why it's interim, but, you know, whatever the hell, man. I feel like Derek Lewis should have got that. Should have got that world title fight. 
should have got that fight against Francis Ngannou. I don't know why it didn't happen. I don't know why they're putting Gain in the fight. I mean, maybe it should have been at least a number one contender fight. It should have been at least a fight night fight. I don't believe it should have been for an interim title, especially since Francis Ngannou is active. Right? I mean, Francis Ngannou is an active fighter. Why would you need a interim championship unless he's, you know, overseas and not coming back to the UFC? I mean, it's really questionable why they would put an interim belt on, you know, this card. But, hey man, do whatever the hell you want to do, right? I'm not the I'm not the guy booking the fights, and obviously I'm not the guy who should be booking fights. Uh, also in October, we have Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling 2 for the Bantamweight Championship. And on that same exact night, we have Yan versus Tahera for the light heavyweight title. We got some stacked fights over the next couple of months, man. Fucking awesome fights. I feel like 2021, in retrospect, you know, in the next couple of years or so, it's going to be an insane... It's going to be an insane year to look back at fights and be like, holy shit, that happened. Because look at the fights we've already had, you know, in previous months. Obviously, we had Connor and Dustin. Obviously, we had Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Obviously, we've had Kamari Usman and Jorge Masvidal. Like, where do you go from this? Like, this is quite possibly... Probably going to be the one of the UFC's one of the most remarkable years, marketable years, one of the most marketable years. They're getting the revenue 100%. You know, you can't deny the revenue that's coming in through the promotion. They're now an open company, which is insane. So now you can actually invest into this shit, legitimately invest into this shit. And, you know, I feel like every single fight card is going to need to be a great fight card. And we have so many fights, so many cards over the year. I mean, we're talking about just about 30 fight nights alone, and that's not even including the monthly numbered pay-per-views. So, there's a lot of fight cards, a lot of stuff, and I feel like right now, being an MMA fan, you're overwhelmed with the amount of content that is being produced, because you have Bellator, Right, you have LFA, you have the UFC, you have one championship, you have Ryzen. If you're into kickboxing, you have Glory. So there's a lot. Yo, you have Bare Knuckle FC, which I'm going to get into later on in the podcast. You have Bare Knuckle FC, dude. I love that promotion, by the way. A lot of content coming in. And a lot more to talk about. I mean, you can sit here and you can make entire articles about just a singular thing and just automatically think, yep, that's the best company. Yep, they got the best fighters. Or who's actually winning? Bellator UFC 1, BKFC? None of them are winning. The fans are winning. I know it sounds extremely corny, but the fans are the ones who are winning. 
there's no denying that. I mean, the amount of content, the amount of access that we have to everything now is absolutely insane. You know, if you were back in the day, you know, about 20, 2010, let's just take 2010 for an example, you were only getting a couple of pay-per-views per year. You know, and even though those pay-per-views, they felt like must-see events, felt like, you know, the best fights to occur. And obviously, we're going to look back in retrospect and think, yeah, maybe a few fights a year was 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 the route to go. But now you're you're going into the future and you're looking at you know what's marketable and what is bringing in the money, what's what's getting the most revenue, what's pumping in the profit for the company and obviously the big corporations are going to want to produce more fights because that equals more money even though you're going to have to you know, one, pay for production, two, pay for the fighters as well, and, you know, that as a whole, I mean, that's not a whole lot compared to what 50 fights a, a, a year, 50 events a year is, is going to look like on, on, on the money sheets, you know, and that's just the UFC alone, obviously Bellator, they have, what, 20 fights, 20 cards a year, I would say, I mean, they have a fight a fight card a month, maybe about a two if we're lucky. We also have the the Grand Prix and stuff that are happening there, so we have a big chunk of content from Bellator. One FC, they have a fight card every other week. It feels like, and then you have Bare Knuckle FC, which have a fight card every month, which I think are fucking incredible, dude. <clears throat> now on to the next topic of discussion here. Bare Knuckle FC. Holy shit, I love this promotion so much, dude. I watched BKFC 19 the other day. Uh, I believe it was Saturday morning, actually. I didn't get to see the fight card live. Uh, I was busy working, but I saw it Saturday morning. And what a what a show, man. What some incredible knockouts. At first, I was kind of weary on the whole bare knuckle situation. I know that uh I don't I believe it was Bigfoot. I think it was Bigfoot. He he had that little stint in, in BKFC and I wanted to watch the fight. But I didn't want to watch it because it was bare knuckle. I know people are going to be like, "Oh, if you don't like bare knuckle, then you're not an MMA fan." Is that really true, though? I like to see fighters protected. BKFC, they barely go to a decision. And I know that's what fight fans love. And I know that's what we're in for. But, dude, looking on the other side, you genuinely get worried for the rest of these fighters. The amount of brain damage that these fighters are bringing in. I, I, I know that gloves, you know, people are going to argue that oh, gloves have are, are more dangerous. Which makes no sense in my opinion obviously the mass is higher obviously I mean you have these gloves that are like what 10 ounces sometimes 8 ounces uh, so obviously you're adding extra pressure into the punch but it's not the bare knuckle man it's not fucking bone and I feel like that's where people get the little misconception of the bare hand is a lot less dangerous than a than a gloved hand, which 
that right there just sounds sounds stupid, man. So I I don't get what fans like, what fans don't like. Obviously, it's just my opinion. But this weekend's BKFC card, and as well as BKFC 17 and 18, they changed my complexion on bare knuckle fighting. Though for one, the production is fantastic. I love the setup. I love the ring. The fights are incredible. I have one of my, probably one of my favorite female fighters right now is in BKFC, and that's Britton Hart. I'm so high on Britton Hart right now. She just won her, her, her fight this, this past weekend against Jenny Savage in what was an incredible fight, dude. You guys should really check that out. She won her debut fight in BKFC against Paige Van Zandt, which, you know, it's Paige Van Zandt. You can't really say anything about it, but at least she got another victory, which is also a pretty impressive and decisive victory. I know it went to a decision, but it was a very decisive victory nonetheless. And, you know, just, just seeing her inside of a ring like that, bare knuckle, I mean, she is a warrior, an absolute warrior. And if I had a beer in my hand right now, I would give her big cheers to this woman because she's a hell of a fighter, man. Hell of a fighter. Uh, we had Rachel Oshtovich and Paige Van Zandt in the main event, which Rachel won me over. I gotta say, Rachel won me over. I'm not a big fan of either of these women, you know, just because they put social media presence first. And then fighters sort of like mid-tier, second-tier, where the money comes in if they're bored. Uh, and I feel like you're you're disrespecting the sport by doing that and at that point you kind of just have to sit back and watch I mean they've had a whole entire celebrity showdown type thing in BKFC over this past weekend which I thought and you know hindsight was a very stupid idea but it obviously brought a lot of eyes to the promotion and I feel like that's what it needs because I believe that BKFC 19 this past Friday's card was their most viewed card in their history. And that's saying a lot because one, I, I loved BKFC 17. That was probably one of my favorite BKFC events right there. But BKFC 19 with the with the whole celebrity showdown thing in Blueface and, and Kane Trevea. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Obviously, I'm going to butcher a lot of names on this podcast, but I know that Blueface, he had a fight. Not a bad fight at all. Just kind of a little bit of a cash grab. But nonetheless, it brought in the viewers, man. We're talking about 400,000, 500,000, you know, a view on just YouTube alone. Dude, that, I mean, they've gained so much attraction where the point that guys like Adam Shear former professional wrestler Adam Shear was, you know, with the BKFC commissioner, BKFC owner, founder, you know, could possibly be in talks with a with a, with a, with a BKFC contract, which would be insane for the heavyweight division, no doubt about it, which would change the trajectory of this entire promotion. I feel like BKFC is a promotion skyrocketing to the top. By next year, by 2023, by 2022, 
bare knuckle fighting championships will be right underneath Bellator in terms of popularity and overall production. And that's not taking anything away from, you know, promotions like One. One FC, they're doing their thing, but they're a lot more international and a lot more mixed base where you have the Muay Thai fighting and you have the Jiu-Jitsu fights and you have the, you know, combined MMA fights, but, you know, BKFC is more of like boxing and I feel like boxing sort of reaches a larger audience. You know, obviously you have the WBC, the PBC, and the WBC. They're probably two of the biggest fight promotions out there in the world right now. And they're boxing. So boxing is where the money's at. And I feel like if BKFC, especially bare-knuckled, people are going to dig the bare-knuckled. People are going to dig the bare-knuckled. They're going to dig the knockouts. They're going to dig everything that they're doing. They're going to dig the celebrity showdowns. And they have an awesome roster. Great roster. With that being said, I absolutely love Bare Knuckle FC. Not much is left to talk about, man. I think I've said everything that I wanted to say. Other than... Uh, Dan Hardy wanting to get back inside of a get, get back inside of a cage, kind of kind of hinted at a uh, return in a in, in, in a Muay Thai fight. Doubt it's gonna happen though. I feel like he's just trolling us at this point. Uh, down in the one championship comments. Speaking of the one championship comments, Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic. This guy feels absolutely disrespected by the UFC. He wants his rematch, and I can't blame the guy. He deserves one. Obviously, people are going to say, like, you know, it's, it's not justified. He got knocked out the last fight. But then he did also bring up a good point that Daniel Cormier got an entire trilogy against Stipe. Which, did Daniel deserve two of those fights? Mm, debatable. Right? Debatable. Some of these fights weren't even that close. I feel like Stipe should have been next in line. Not this whole entire interim championship thing. If it was going to happen, it was going to be, you know, either either Derek Lewis or Stipe Miocic going after Francis Ngannou. This whole entire interim championship thing sort of throws everything off guard and throws everything that you know, what they were sort of putting out there, you know, it's like, it's kind of nothing at this point, which is, I don't, I don't, I don't, heavyweight is very hard to book, you know, if, if you're a booker, it's gonna hard be, be hard to sort of make fights within that division, now the division itself is not weak by any means, But it's really anybody's division. I feel like the same with can be said about Bantamweight. It's anybody's division. I mean, the champion is a champion, yes. But can I see Francis Ngannou getting knocked out by one of these guys in like fifth top top five? 
Yes, I can see that happening. I'm pretty sure anybody can see that happening. I just think that if you're going to book a fight, it should have been Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. And then the winner of Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis would face Stipe Miocic for the title. That's just how I would have booked it. And obviously, Gain is going to be that person left out. Well, let's have Gain face the winner of Curtis Blades and Rosenstruck. And then right there, you have Blades and Rosenstruck, the winner of that fight, facing Gaines. The winner of that fight can then go on and face potentially the person of, you know, the next fight. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tower. You, you have to tower things. You know, you have to tower them into the point to where they at least make sense. Because sometimes things are not necessarily logical when it comes to Dana White. I know he does stuff that brings in the money. And rightfully so. I mean, the guy has done so much for mixed martial arts. We're talking about bringing mixed martial arts into pretty much backyard cage fighting to mainstream legitimate sports. If you like Dana or not, he knows what he's doing. Props to the guy, man. Props to the guy. Anyways, I feel like I've covered pretty much everything I had to cover. We talked about Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw. We talked about this weekend's upcoming fights. Talked about Bare Knuckle FC. Talked about uh, a little bit of uh, this whole Stipe Miocic and heavyweight sort of collision thing. We talked about a lot of stuff in this episode. If you guys liked it, make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram at Visionary MMA. Got a lot of stuff happening. Got a lot of stuff going on. We have a we have a daily fight of the night where we we go back and we talk about some of the you know pretty much the underrated the best fights in, in MMA history and uh, make make you guys give it a quick watch if you have the time pretty much review it so that's that's a pretty cool thing that we have going on over there uh, daily news of course daily videos and we also have a podcast uh, account as well at visionary podcast uh, so make sure you guys go and check that out as well if you're going to go ahead and follow or not uh, share the podcast of course uh, thank you guys for listening man this has been a great time talking to you guys about MMA. I can't wait for some more action to come. And uh, this weekend's going to be a movie. It's going to be an absolute movie, man. Uh, even even though I'm not going to be watching it live, I know for a fact it's going to be a great night of fights, and I will 100% cover them uh, in a lot more depth than I really did in this, this episode. This is pretty much like a test episode, I feel like. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, thanks for all listening. Uh, thank you guys for the support. Uh, we are at... 1.6k on Instagram we're about at 200 listeners right now on the podcast so couldn't be couldn't be happy man couldn't be happier so I'll see y'all next time this has been episode 1 of the visionary podcast and let's get the fuck out of here